Hello there, I'm Tim and he's John and this is How to Murder Time, a podcast about games and things. Hello everybody. Watcher. It's too warm. It's quite hot. Yeah. Mm. It's not getting out for a week and a half, but it's cold by then. It's just gone summer all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah what have you been up to? Uh, lots of stuff. Um, I had a really, really weird couple of weeks where I've just not really been able to do my normal routine and that's making me all irritable because, yeah. you know, OCD and stuff. And I've been out and doing things and bank holidays and going hiking all of a sudden and then suddenly you know, going here and there and not being able to do this and that. And my static group weeks are all over the place at the moment, frankly. It's, mm. I mean, oh, it's, it's just chaos. You I don't like it. You consider giving up gaming? Um, no, I've considered giving up everything else, though. That might yeah, get yeah, me well, a, well, we, we my equilibrium a bit better, you know. Try yeah. and try and get, I, I do need routine, I think. I get sort of quite irritable and I'm in a funny mood. You I, are in a funny yeah, mood. Yeah. I didn't record that bit. No, no, no. no, it's, no gotta, you know, it's all right. I'm fine. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Everything's fine. Everyone loves making podcasts. <laughs> it's all right. Um, yeah, so let's talk about Happy Happy Game Game. Should we start with Shadespire? Yes, Shadespire. We played some Shadespire. The bank holiday last weekend, so it's threw me out. What do I normally do on a Monday? Because I didn't do that. Go to work. Yeah, no. Um, yes. Secret World Legends. Yeah, I haven't done that for about four weeks for some series, related series of reasons. But, Hiking around Cornwall being one of them. Yeah, yeah. But bank holiday, yes. And um, we, I came around here and we played some board game yeah. type thing. We played Shadespire, which is a games workshop, little squad-based uh, board gamey thing. With miniatures, of course, it's Games Workshop, which is designed to be relatively cheap to get into and has, at this point, a very small set of things you need to have. Mm. And so it's quite interesting. Yeah, I like that. I think there was some blurb about it being a city of like dark mirror magic or something, blah, blah, blah. Basically, there's small teams of warriors from all sorts of the traditional Warhammer fantasy uh, setting factions and armies. We don't uh, say Warhammer fantasy anymore. Is it? Whatever. <laughs> Age of Sigma. It's Age of Sigma. Yeah. Okay. They destroyed um, that world, which they? is why all the computer games that are coming out for it are set in it. Okie dokie. Uh, well, for whatever reason, there's whole there's small, very small squads of of, of warrior types. I had three people attacking. Yeah, three people. I had five, um, and they're basically trying to attack each other across a pair of game boards, hexagons type things with different objectives on and so on. Yeah. Um, really. I mean, I quite liked it. It had that sort of cut down feel because I quite liked Man of War and and um, what was that? Oh, I can't even remember what it's called now. The Spartan Games one, Uncharted Seas, yes. something like that. The, the one where you only have a very small number of units uh, and you have to be clever, clever and careful and play within a very Basically, restricted sort of game space. I, I'm not too keen on the small number of units in just a normal tactical game because mm. I find that there's not enough room for doesn't give you the options, yeah. And once you've made a mistake, you've made that mistake. Yeah. But this is a combination miniatures and card game. Yes. Where you've got deck building from... It's, a, it's not a random card selection it's each pack has a set of cards so basically it's the base game which has two warbands in it and then each warband comes with a set of cards some are generic some are don't really see if this is yeah tiny yeah one half you, can't, you can't see that at all no. um, but, uh, yes so basically uh you end up buying i end up buying them all because i'm that kind of person but you don't need to, just if you want some of the cards, you might have to buy ones that you don't want. Which is better than the X-Wing way, I find. Because the X-Wing way is you tend to end up buying expansions many times for cards that you need. Mm. It had that feel of X-Wing, though, although not didn't have the... Because I don't like the X-Wing when it's just game. I'm probably one of the few people who doesn't. Mostly because I just don't like the predictive aspect of it. In that you have to keep guessing where everything's going to be eight moves down the line in order to issue your own hidden orders to your own ships. And I keep crashing and going off the table and been pointing in the wrong place it reminds me of the worst aspects of robo rally you remember that yeah 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 so i like robo rally but i like the small scale sort of skirmish aspect of, of x-wing miniatures and this seems to capture that too which is good this also has the advantage of being very quick yeah yeah well fairly Pe quick yeah we had a couple of hours for two goes so. yeah but we were learning the rules mm. people die very quickly yeah um, like some of these guys were dying in one hit, others in two, and yeah, that's about. Yes, yes, they, the tough guys take two hits. They, yeah, they, they, they they'll t they'll die in one successful attack or two if they're particularly tough. So it's quite a fast-paced sort of thing, and there's only three three turns, isn't there? Yeah, it's three turns. <clears throat> Alternative activations. Yeah. Um, and you, yeah, you've got various objectives cards which vary, like um, have all your people in the other half of the board at yeah. the end of the game, or kill the boss, or control point number two. There's t six different objectives on the board, and you keep scoring points each time you get one of those, and then you can draw fresh objectives and keep trying to score more and more objectives throughout the game. That's quite good. Then you spend the points you've earned from 
get any objectives, you can use those to upgrade your troops as well, which is yeah. interesting. And then, and then the points you've spent upgrading your troops also still count towards victory at the end of the game. Which is yes, nice. the more victory points you get, the more you can upgrade your people, but it doesn't affect how much you've won by. Yeah, that's good. You're not uh, setting yourself back by upgrading. You, you've just, it's a roll on, you've done well, therefore have a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And and then the power cards are interesting. That's the sort of main deck building aspect yeah. of it. You keep drawing new ones of those, they have different effects, improve particular troops, or do this, that, and the other thing. The world's most ineffective heal. Yeah, yeah. Or one or ones where you can just swap two two troops who are next to each other, like yeah. chaos and confusion <laughs> and so on. Um, yeah, so you had these like, these uh, little ages, Sigmar, Warrior, Hammer people. They're, those are press fit models as well. Don't need glue. No glue. Hmm. So those are easy to build press fit models. And yes, they really are. So you had three of those and they're, they're specialising in defence. So they're quite good at shields and, and big hammers taking, and shields. taking damage yeah. and stuff. And then I had a bunch of these, which are not painted, but these are sort of warriors of corn of some yeah. sort. They're basically like no armour berserker types. And I had five of these versus three of your ones of those. These are sort of one hit wonders, a bit glass cannony and generally move quite fast. So sort of berserk versus tanks. And um, I won one and you won one. Yeah. So it seemed relatively bad. So that was interesting. Oh, and there's the ability to upgrade your people to. Uh, is it brightened? Mm. Whatever the oh, term. Oh yeah, was. inspired. Yeah, inspired. That's the one. Their, so, their stack cards yeah. have two sides. So your one, your guys go inspired. If other people get killed, uh, so no. If, if there's only two of them left, they get yeah. super powered. Um, and mine get super powered if they roll a certain thing while being hit. Yeah, if they defend really well, and then their stats slightly improve and so on. It's interesting, it's interesting. I mean, it, it seemed to cut away a lot of the sort of cruft that that really bogs a massive game of 40k or, yeah. or well, yeah, Age of Sigma or Fantasy Battle or whatever they call it now. It's, it's designed so that you can get the games out in a tournament setting, no problem. Mm, it had that feel, it had that feel of an MMO battleground rather than a massive zone-wide war type yeah. thing. Well, you have a relatively even number of side, side, you know, people on each side, there's particular objectives, it's in a set and small self-contained battlefield. Um, and yeah, which which lends itself to much more, I don't know, more consideration and planning. Because if you, it's like chess, you know, the ultimate expression of that is chess, the known board, the known pieces, you can plan, you can, you can con- encapsulate it and think about it all as you go. Whereas just a massive, like, you know, six foot long table with 300 models on it, and, you know, you're rolling 60 dice every time you do anything, that all gets a bit out of control and a bit difficult to keep your head yeah. around, I suppose, with, without much yeah. more practice, I suppose. So this, is this marketed as a sort of beginner? Beginner game? No, no, it's an introductory it's, thing, or is it a, marked, a serious thing in its, it's own It's marked right? as a serious thing for tournaments and okay, things. Okay, competitive play. It sort of had an initial feel of, of, oh, this is just to get people used to the idea of dice combat with miniatures. But yeah, but with, with the deck building, that soon becomes quite complicated. Yeah, yeah. There's there's sort of depths to it, I think. But I, did, I like the quick turnaround of it as well. Yeah, because yeah, it's all very well collecting a massive army of soldiers for a, a large scale skirmish game, but one of those matches will take like four, five, six hours generally, even with the new sort of streamlined. Uh, Hour, yeah. or whatever yeah but you wouldn't get as nearly as many goes to that as you with this no. thing you're meant to play three games and it's a two out of three okay okay we did one of each and then went to the pub yeah <laughs> so we were both winners yes everyone wins hooray um yeah and so you've got your other armies available there's some like yeah, dwarf yeah. guys there, there's those two which come in at the start there's also another stormcast and another corn one Okay. Because just vary up the troops. Yeah. A bit. Uh, there's a rainstorm cast and a corn one with um, a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's also there's skeletons. Oh yeah, the old undead, which have lots of you know bringing people back powers. Uh, there's uh, dwarf berserkers mm-hmm. types. Not very much big axes. The big red hair. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Skaven. Skaven. Ah, oh, the rat people. And large orcs. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. And each of those is you know, less than 20 quid for a pack. So you get some decent models mm-hmm. and the cards. And they've actually just released them They're in pretty packs with just models, the models. Yeah. They're very good quality models. Yeah, yeah. You, sort you, of culmination of years of improved design yeah. and process. Oh, they're all coloured as well. You don't have to paint them. They all will just be the right colour on the board. Yeah. So, you know, they've got the red guys and the storm so guys. You can just get blue. right into it because you don't even glue them. You snap them together yeah, and off you go. Yeah, you snap them together. Uh, they're, yeah. they're fantastic for snap fit models. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anyone else is close to that level for snap fit models for the tabletop. Yeah, it sort of made me, I don't know, I sort of getting blood bowl for some reason as well, a bit. I mean, yeah, the nature yeah. of the way it plays out, which essentially is a very small board and you're basically running at each yeah. other down the ball. There's no ball as such or any sort of weird tactical ball play, as it were. There is literally just objectives on the board. And I don't know, we've, we've, we've realised that we, we 
we were playing through and it, it dawned on us that there were no tabling rules. If you yeah. kill all of your enemy, you still carry on playing. Yeah, because <laughs> you might still get all of the other objectives. Yeah, you might, have, you might still manage to score some objectives even if all your people are dead. But they specifically designed it, it seems, so that you can't, you don't just go in and k- try and kill the enemy. You have to still have to pay attention to the objectives because just killing all the enemy doesn't necessarily mean you win. I mean, it depends how quickly you do it because yeah. you're essentially leaving your enemy team unopposed to get on with their objectives. But, or like in one of the games where I But lost- if, it's a, if it's a near thing in the last round... Yeah. In, in the game where I lost there was one objective which would have scored me lots of points if you had made one particular yeah, decision if I didn't and re- gone to your side of the board yeah, yeah or if i'd had the other way around if i had the opposite version of that card i would have got what three most victory the, points most of those objective cards appear in all the decks so every so like everyone's objective deck will contain hold objective number four or so on so it's, it's, not, it's, it's when they come up but then some of the objectives are specific to each side as well yeah. i'm not that impressed with the hold objective numbers yeah I, i'm I think they may be a little bit too inflexible. You might have to do too much running. So at least for the uh, Stormcast guys, I think they're pretty much a waste of well, time. Well, I, I did wonder, because I think the red people I had, they all move much faster yeah. to begin with. As a, but then they're, they're not as not as defendy. They're quite yeah. easy to kill. So yeah, swings and roundabouts. I mean, it looks like they have tried to sort of differentiate each little little squad with their own sort of racial yeah. flavour and well, stuff. When I come to rebuild the Stormcast deck, I'm going to make it a bit more um, proactive... Um, it does have that deck building capacity yeah. then. Oh, it's- yeah, no, it definitely does. It's got 300 or something cards. Oh, right, okay. Because we were playing with just the straight starter yeah. stuff. But presumably you have a, a minimum number of cards you should have in your deck. Yeah, yeah. Like magic or whatever. Yeah, effectively, yeah. You can you decide have so many which objectives, ones come up. so many um, other ones. Yeah. And you just rattle through them. You don't recycle the deck when it runs out. No, when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. You don't lose when you run out of deck, and yeah. you don't uh, reshuffle everything back in. So, okay. you need a deck which is relatively large to keep going and get yes, cards. Yeah. But I, I could see uh, decks which don't have many actually working for the right tactics. Yeah, yeah. Cause you choose when you, you choose when you play your cards. You're yeah. not automatically playing every round. Yeah, it's quite it's quite an interesting thing. Quite, I quite liked it. The next expansion they've announced is a card only expansion. Okay, just interesting. Bulk, bulk that yeah. side of and they've just uh, released uh, model-only versions of the packs, so you just buy the models without the cards. Okay, that seems quite flexible. Yeah, cause, and, and they've also given them rules in Age of Sigma. But it seems to me, unless you want to collect lots and lots of different teams for the variety of it, or once you've got your three Stormcasts or your five Corn Berserker people, you're, you're done, really, aren't you? Yeah, you it's, could, it's you like could quite happily game. be done, but... You might find yourself uh, not doing that well against decks which have a larger range of cards to choose from. Mm, yeah, I suppose. But it's it's just nice to see it not not needing to spend like sort of two hundred and fifty quid to get a decent yeah. army together to play a board game. Essentially, it's it's a much more modest scaled thing, but with much more focus. You know, you can really concentrate on the specifics and drill right down into how it's all working, the mo- the movement and the cards and so on, rather than yeah. just you know. Sh- roll 300 dice and shove a whole load of orcs across a table. And, and if you were playing with your mates, um, I wouldn't say this in public, mm. or ever virtually <laughs> recorded, but you could always just print out the cards, put them in deck protectors, and um, have the cards you want. I suppose, yeah. But um, Of course, yeah. I would never say that in public. I'm not sure I'm going to collect start collecting my own team necessarily, but uh, I'd be happy to play that again. Yeah. Well, good. one of the reasons I, I like it is there's just... The models are fantastic, and I want to paint them all. Yes. They and know that a, market very well. That's a manageable painting job as well, five figures. Yeah. Instead of, you know, oh, God, I've got, like, 2,000 points worth of orcs to, you know, mass you know, production line, conveyor belt going past, let's do the faces one at a time, you know. Whereas these, you could really concentrate on the detail because you've only got three figures, and they are very well detailed, actually. They are. It's and they've got uh, pre-moulded uh, bases, so you don't have to do anything on the basing beyond paint it. Yeah. You yeah. can add a bit of static... A grass or turf or whatever. It's a manageable painting task, yeah. which is nice. You know, <laughs> And because they have the inspired versions, if you have two sets of the models, you can paint the models as inspired. They so recommend that in the book, don't they? Yeah. In the rule book. You should get two sets of models. Yeah, because they sort of go into a superpower well, mode. Well, I'm actually thinking of getting two sets of models. I'm thinking about getting another set of all the models so that I've actually got enough cards to do. Because I want to have the two decks, mm. then I'm going to need all the cards for two decks. So I might just get another set because there's only six packs I need to buy or whatever so why not 
It does seem like a fairly well-balanced game in and of itself as well, rather than just an excuse to sell a whole load more models we've come up yeah, with. Yeah, you know? uh, they've actually worked on gameplay this time. Yes, because a lot, a lot of their spin-off sort of games are quite sort of patchy. But we had that period uh, between 7th and 8th, uh, towards the end, where lots and lots of games got released, yeah. and quite a lot of them Reusing did... Reusing the models a lot yeah, of the time. And quite a lot of them did feel like... Um, they were just experimenting with new rules to see what would happen. Mm. What was that that awful thing we were playing with the jungle and oh, the tyrants? Oh, thingy! Some scout patrol, lost patrol, Lo- lost patrol. Whatever. It was, yeah, yeah, a game which is uh, broken were, by design. Yeah, I don't think we could. We were trying to work out how to win as humans, and we didn't think it was possible. It is, but the uh, you need geez, a really dealer player has to be useless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and was that Dreadfleet? Remember that? Yeah, Dreadfleet. Yes. Yeah. Is that still a thing? No, was that, it was a one-off thing. No, okay. it was a limited release. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they, same they, with. Um, they do sort of scattergun a bit. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. They keep releasing these games like that. I think need to stay on the shelves or mm. stay available because they've released Space Hulk about seven times now. Cause yeah. They keep finding new stock. Perennial favourite, I suppose. Yeah. That's um, got a bit of cult appeal to it. That one. Yeah. Particularly. And if they just had that, kept it, and were selling it constantly, I reckon yeah. it would constantly sell because. It's a good game. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the semi sort of hit and miss sort of mini yeah. boxes they do for all sorts of other types of rules and so on. It's well, nice to see the, one that's been well thought out. And the other problem like they legs. have is in the shops, which is shelf space. Shades hmm. uh, Bar is not available in the shop. It's only online or in third-party stores because okay. they just don't have the uh, shelf space to put it in. And hmm. I think that's a massive mistake because I think it's a brilliant gateway game to get people into the universe. Well, yeah, I mean, you say it's not really designed as a, just an introduction to Age of Sigmar. No, but it works. It is its own thing. But, it, yeah, you get the basic fundamental concepts yeah. of, you know, tabletop miniature war skirmish you, you play. Look, you look at a scabe and you think, isn't that cute? <laughs> and you think... Adorable. I could just play this in lovely, lovely skaven doing skaven ploys. Mm-hmm, yes. So more 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 armies. Where would you go with this? This is the thing, isn't it? It's it's it seemed part of the appeal of it for me is it is a self-contained thing. You, yeah, you could do lots of different new models. Oh, yeah, I no, suppose, that's it. But all you need to do to go more is more boards to play on. Yeah, because uh, you know the two of them which have got nothing on, but then stuff starts having impossible terrain on it. Yeah, there's two board tiles that come with it, and each of them is double-sided. And on the opposite side of the basic ones, are somewhere you've got different hexagons yeah. blocked out. There's obstructions. Yeah. Oh, and, and you place stuff. them, and they don't have to be like that. They can be like that or whatever. And yeah, yeah. Which is interesting to make it. You know, your half, my heart. If, yeah, give a bit of a choke point. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, more of those, uh, and there's plenty more armies. I mean, there's there's um, other types of dwarves. There's the. Uh, is there an elf army? Not yet. Yeah. Well, no, there's an elf army, not an elf in this, but there's set more than a couple of elf armies. You could have the new watery elves, the sea elves. Could you make your so, own team out of your existing miniatures and come up with your own cards, or is that uh, kind of homebrew that's, problematic? Because you need everyone would have to have buy-in for that. Yeah, and whenever anyone you can't just grab three I've, Lego figures yeah. off a shelf and use. I've, those. I've seen people uh, putting together their own team and um, then using the existing cards, mm. so having it as accounts as. Because oh, uh, you know, um, one of the Games Workshop people, there's, you know, the Nurgle releases had those really nice sassy uh, Nurglings. Yes. There was the one that like the D and D guy with the sword, and yeah, yeah, and she just basically put those on the bases, <laughs> and uh, fair enough. Yeah, has a force of those. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could easily see another. 20 odd mm, different just, releases yeah. just might, on the army. They might be in danger of ruining it though if you go crazy on expansions and must have extra bits and all the rest of it. It well, seems it like a, a good self contained thing. It, it depends how well it's been designed. If it's got a power creep on the cards, mm. then that'll be a problem. But if not, it may not be. That's often the thing. You know, if, if there isn't power creep, then what, what's in it for me? Why should I buy the expansion? And if there is power creep, then why, everyone else needs the expansion. People get cross. Yeah. It's always a dilemma with any, any game, I suppose, with incremental content yeah I mean, it's something that X-Wing really suffered from yeah um, oh, they just keep bringing in even more ridiculous ships does well, the TIE Defender make it to oh yeah X- it was rubbish <laughs> all the ones from the, the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter games turned up did they uh, missile yeah, boat the things like that TIE Defender's canon now TIE Defender was 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 a, an utter invention by LucasArts to try and give the TIE Fighter expansion of X-Wings the players and they're something that they'll last five seconds in. <laughs> yeah. And they sort of overcompensated a bit. It was not a beast. Yeah. Um, in X-Wing, it was never that good. Mm. Um, it, it, on the tabletop, it was just, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, mind you, I, I never really got past the why you want anything more than loads and loads of TIE Fighters. Zerg Rush. Yeah. So often, often more away. dice wins. Mm. Generally, yeah, which is again another another good thing with this with Shade Spy there or whatever is that you you don't you can't just like pile hundreds of 
So yeah. rush tr- you know, mini troops on there. I quite you have like, your teams and off they go. I quite like to see a forty k version. Um, Some really nice, futuristic, uh, yeah, really nice, interesting uh, sculpts of various armies. Yeah, because it does it does support ranged combat. There are troops in there who can throw hammers and things. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh no, there's people guns and things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. of course, all of these models can be used in your Age of Sigma armies well, if you want. Yeah, models are models. At the end yeah, of the day. They, they make quite good leaders because they're just different and interesting. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I really like it. I remain unconvinced that they won't screw it up in the long time because every <laughs> single game like this gets screwed up in the long time. Yeah. Long term. I'd but, play that again. And in fact, I think I'd prefer it to the large 40k stuff, to be honest. Let's get a bit bogged down, really. That gets a bit hectic going. We must play that again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've not tried the 8th edition no. rules or whatever yet. No, you need to play Apparently with it. streamlined. And, they're, and, they're very streamlined. Okay. And also, I've nearly finished painting my custodies. So. Okay, yeah, you'll need a. Apart from the you one need a punching bag for them. There. Okay, good. Just for reference, yeah, the custodian armies on that. You can't see table, this, but there's quite a lot of figures down there. There's a couple of bikes, three guys, a leader, and a dreadnought. Yeah, dreadnought mistake. I do like the new bike look. Yeah. They look look a bit like oh, you can't see this at all, but uh, it's a very dre- if a judge dread looking thing. It's Any similarity <laughs> between anything in the 40k universe and judge dread is purely coincidental. Golden eagle on the front of the bonnet. It's brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, yes. And so you see those tyranids over there? Mm, yes, yeah, terrifying. The twenty gene sealers and everything. They're getting closer. That is the army that's going to be up against those small. Oh, people. I get to be the the disposable aliens, do I? Fair enough. Look forward to it. Yeah. Anyway, oh, you can play those. I'm going to talk about a game, computer game. Oh, go on, you know, before we before we lose our, our audience entirely. Um, Ten years too late. <laughs> games and things. See, that was things. A, that was a thing there. We had a thing. Um, yeah. So back to games. Then I've been playing quite I'm a lot still of again. Stellaris. Stellaris. That, yes. uh, that's that. So um, Stellaris. There's a particular problem with Stellaris. In the they've, they've Stellaris is a very good game uh, by Paradox Interactive. I think. Um, I'm terrible at credits for games. You I, are. I don't really know who does what at all. But um, but. So they released Stellaris and it was all good and people liked it. It was sort of like the ultimate modern incarnation of Master of Orion, basically, a kind of real-time, real-time massive colonization empire management type space game. It's, it absolutely ticks all my boxes for just going off on one in my imagination. But the problem is that they just haven't stopped releasing it since yeah. it came out. About, it must be getting on for about a year or two years in now. Is they it the Sims issue? Just, it's, it's a bit the Sims, yeah. yeah. They just won't stop doing DLC over and over and over again. So many of them. There was a new one this last week or the week before, Distant Stars, it's called. Uh, and with those, but they're, they're relatively good. What they do, they do one of those, but then they'll update the main game with a load of free updates and improvements and things as well. So, I mean, it's perfectly possible to spend about 200 quid getting all of the bits of Stellaris yeah. if you really want to, I'm, including, you know, four of Art and you know new new alien avatars and I, it's hard to tell how which bits of it and how much of it are, f- are functionally important which bits are fluff there's quite a lot of both sorts available to be honest so I've not really I'm still on the base game because I've yet to finish a game of it it's that sort of huge scope and scale to it all it it, pl- it makes for really really large games yeah. you know, even with all the t- settings set all the custom universe creation settings at the start set to minimum you're still you're still looking at pff, I don't know 10 20 hours or something yeah. I don't know i've never finished one um and I've, i'm not sure how far the calendar goes up to as well it's, it's got have you never finished one because you get bored or do you never finish no, one because I've, I've never finished one because they keep changing the way the game plays every so every every so often they'll do one of these big dlcs and then they'll update the main game and of course you know unless you really go out of your way to make steam stop doing that kind of thing it will just ruthlessly update everything yeah. every time you turn your pc on. and your entire strategy is suddenly worthless no it's not no not even that the save games become incompatible because they've fundamentally changed oh. how the game works they've done this no. twice in a row in no now. i know i know it's bad game company so back bad when stellaris game. started you have your stars in a galaxy it looks fantastic the galaxy map and it's all got the colored bits and the symbols and the good futuristic looking fonts everywhere and it's all it's lovely uh and what they did is initially when you create your empire you you have one of three types of interstellar technologies you've got the normal sort of take time to go between any stars you like takes a while to spin up at each end and come out at the other end you cool down on the other end um then you've got uh wormholes which is you basically build a special wormhole installation and then that will that catapults you to any arbitrary nearby system instantaneously but you need to create wormhole portals which have to be defended they are destroyable um 
And the third technology was star lanes, which is a sort of variation on the you can just go between any two stars. But it, that connect that, that connected all the stars together into a kind of grid map, and yeah. you know, into a kind of yeah, the, the old classical yeah, the classic one. And I think I don't know what happened, but at some point during the recent development, somewhere around the two point update, they decided that actually it's just totally. I, I the, the first game I tried to play was um, with the I had the just go anywhere at any time technology, yeah. and it was an absolute nightmare to try and pin any enemy fleets down because like in real life like it yeah. will be in the future assuming we ever get to the stars it's going to be utterly impossible to intercept <laughs> yeah. interstellar spaceships you, space it, is big space is big speeds are fast time is long so you know the idea of you're going to be able to oh there's a, i can see an incoming enemy fleet that's going to be here in like three months i'll i'll just nab them halfway between this no no not at all so you could only ever move between stars and the odds are you getting your people to the start the same time that the enemy fleet was there so that you could have a proper ding Dong, it was quite slim. So you yeah. spent so long just chasing each other around, and, and it also meant that every single star in your empire was effectively on the border because you could just launch from anywhere to anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so it made kind of controlling an empire in space like it would be in real life utterly impossible as well. So I don't know. At some point they decided, right, we're going to do. We'll, we'll get rid of the wormhole thing. We'll get rid of the uh, you can go anywhere thing, and they, they redesigned it so that it was all star lanes now. Okay. Which basically meant that suddenly you've got a whole lot, whole sets of constellations, and the whole galaxy map becomes a lot more controllable. You can break it into particular blocks, and you can locate pinch points that are defensible, and so on. Then, as I started a new go, oh, oh, none of my save games work now. All, all previous save games at that point became incompatible. And no warning. Well, yeah, I, if I'd have read the patch notes carefully, I could have undone the patch or something. Yeah. I don't know, but it would have been a pain in the backside anyway. Bad game company. Well, yeah, I think part of it's Steam fault it really does go for the throat on updates it's you know ordinarily that's a very good thing it's they they do an exemplary service in keeping all your software up to date but you you know if you don't want it up to date for any reason at all tough yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then and, yeah then this distant stars thing came out i think they added a whole load of mega structures you know like dyson spheres and big ring worlds and all that sort of thing that was one of the, re- the content updates back then then there was a synthetic dawn one where they did a whole load of machine empire stuff um, now they did this distant stars thing, and they've up, they've, they've cranked the anomalies up. There's loads more types of anomalies now, which is basically where you send your science ships off to explore new yeah. stars and find interesting, cool stuff. And some of those are really narratively interesting. A lot of the story gets told through those. But they've also rejigged how star bases and stuff work. You don't your star base isn't around your home world anymore. It's around the star itself. It's detached from your colonies, and you can only do the military ships at the star bases, and they now have to be conquered before you can take a star system because basically they've taken about five or six or seven goes to try and get war right and playable and interesting and working so they, they rejiggered it all again recently and that, that, that threw out my save game that I'd started the second time so now I'm on my third proper serious go started again and I'm desperately playing to try and get a game finished before they change it all again. This is the 2.1 Niven update. They named them after sci-fi authors. Okay. And um, yeah, now we've got this whole star-based control thing and now they've changed how wars work as well. You don't have this war score thing anymore. Basically, So the war score thing, originally you declared war and when you declared war you, you set yourself up a couple of objectives and then it measured how, how well you were doing against your own self set objectives for that war and whoever got nearest to what they said they were going to do tended to win but it was very confusing and quite tricky to hold systems and try and work out what's going on and 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 at the end of the day the whole problem Stellaris is trying to solve with wars is why would you ever declare war anyway and set up yourself a series of rules and a series of objectives that's not how it works in the real world you just go for it you surprise you know if you can suddenly suddenly turn up with a whole load of fleet and claim about 15 systems before they go oh god we've got to build some spaceships Usually the That's person who thing. declares war is either trying to make a point or dealing to yeah. having just had... Declaring war is, is essentially a failed game of brinkmanship yeah. that went on beforehand, you know. Um, yeah, so yeah. So at the present it was like, hello, good day, I would like to declare war on you. Here is my list of things I want to do. How does that seem to you? <laughs> ah, interesting. I would like also to declare war back at you. Here is the list of things I want to do. How are those? Okay, jolly good. And you shake hands and then you have at it, you know, yeah. uh, like, you know, Queensbury rules across the stars 
it was all a bit weird. But so now what we've got is this war exhaustion thing, which essentially is a kind of timer, and uh, the timer erodes over time, but also it erodes quicker if you lose systems, if you lose mi- military victories, and so on. And yeah. basically, you get to a point where you, your your empire is notionally just so sick of carrying on that they will just surrender rather than carry on. I fighting. know how they feel. Yeah, and so so that's interesting, and then that's all backed up with a series of system claims now. So you have to sort of book in advance which systems you want to keep when the war is over. It's like, I just don't understand combat in that game, which is usually why I try and avoid it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I get quite far playing the, uh, the the happy, clappy United Nations of Earth side to try and, you know, just make friends with everyone. And that's that's a victory condition. If you can create a federation that has X percent of all races as a member member of it, then you all win together, which, you know... Is, uh, I'm never going to see one of these victory because I'm not entirely even sure Stellaris is winnable. <laughs> it, it may not even be a game in that sense. It might just be a toy or a simulation. I don't quite know yet. Let's not go down that route again. I know, yeah, that old, that old chestnut. Um, so now I've picked the the uh, the grey uniforms, sinister sinister red banners, uh, Commonwealth of Man, who are generally quite xenophobic, and I've tried to have a proper go at beating uh, uh, you know, anyone. <laughs> so I've been building up, and I got lucky with the universe generation, the nearest enemy, nearest <laughs> enemy, nearest rival empires, um, <laughs> nearest fodder, near, the nearest other sentient beings are quite far away. So it gave me a good time to build up, and I like that part. Yes, the initial building up the empire, and I'm in a reasonable position. You can sort all the known races by in order of approximate power, and I'm about mid-table. That's okay. good. Uh, and there's an empire of like um, weird sentient toucan-like creatures that lives to the south of me, are a bit argy-bargy. Yeah. So, and and they seem to be roughly. I think I'm they're slightly inferior on military power, and I think right, okay, this is it. I'm gonna we're gonna have a crack at them. And I was having a go at that, and I was setting myself up, building up more troops, yeah. trying to get to trying to you know, reach my fleet cap limit, so that I've you know got all the maximum potential available and, and I was yeah I was in a good position to, to have a go and then this other nation next door to them decides they want to cl- declare war on the Tukan <laughs> people as well these weird feathered dinosaur people and the feathered dinosaur people contacted me and said hey I'm going to have a war with these guys do you want to help and I thought uh, ah, fodder. yeah okay yeah yeah I'll, I'll be right behind <laughs> you yeah you, you make a start um, and then I look down and so you know I think yeah good okay we've got some got some got some cannon fodder to go in and soak up the, the initial hits didn't really work like no. that. It turns out that my feathered dinosaur allies are about a third of the power of me, ah. uh, and it looks like I'm having to do all the heavy lifting. But because the feathered dinosaur people understand the rules about claiming systems and booking a reservation before you start a war, even if I Paper. win, all of these all of these systems will go to the feathered dinosaur people, even though I've liberated them because they had the prior claim. It's a weird old system. I just despair of, of understanding how Stellaris works. Really. That uh, you hurry up and deal with these current this current threat. The Angry toucan people, and then just take out the dinosaurs on the way. The feather dinosaur people will be next. But yeah, but the problem is, is that in any situation like that, it's it's the classic dynamic. And I don't know if Stellaris is, is any different, or whether they're desperately trying to avoid this. What happens? But in say Master of Orion or any of these old previous games, three empires of approximately similar size developing up together, they come together. There's a big old fight. Yeah, one of them will attack the other. It will destroy the other, lose about half of its power in the process. The, the person who didn't go in for the fight first yeah. can then just clamp, clamp. Yeah. So, you know, the, the the smartest move is to be the last person to join in on a war and so just pile you, in on the, the weak people. Why didn't you say no? Um, why did you find yourself <laughs> get dragged into a needless war risking so many of your people's I know, lives? I know, I should probably wait until they kill each other and then jump yeah. in on the... Yeah, so I did keep a useful save game just before that all kicked off, so I might revert and try again, yeah. Because I am playing, you know, essentially the Empire from Star Wars and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hate everyone, but it's not really in my nature and... <laughs> So I've happened to what struggle against my own niceness as well. Is you should not go into war alongside the dinosaur bird people. Yeah. But you should attack their enemy and go into war against them anyway. So it's the two of you fighting that guy in two fronts. Ah. And then on the way back, you yeah. take it out because you know yeah. you're more powerful than him. That's interesting. You're, you're very good at this. I am, yeah. <laughs> Frighteningly so. Um, yeah, but I'm still really loving Stellaris in general. I mean, it's just a fantastic, grand canvas of space opera and, you know, empire management and so on. It's just somewhat frustrating that many of the more elaborate rules to do with warfare and claiming and stuff are really quite obscure. Mm. I mean, they've got a wiki. I mean, most of the in-game help just links to an actual wiki website. Yeah, fair like, enough. Okay. Yeah, and, it, and they are not afraid to keep changing the rules about all no. the time as well, which is why I want to try and get a game, you know, moderately finished. I mean, again, I'm not even sure if finish is a is a, <laughs> a, a word that means anything in the context of a game of Stellaris, but I want to try and get 
some way in before they change the rules again, you know. Um, but have you considered turning up auto updates for that game? Yeah, yeah. Perhaps I, perhaps I want to do that. I have to wait until they. Yeah, well, I'll leave auto updates on because obviously there's you know no, you about, t- there's about five or six fixes to the main. No, you to turn the off auto updates and just opt in for each update after reading the patch. You just have to treat this one as a manual update. Mm, yeah, maybe that's the way because yeah, it, it will just invalidate all your save games. They won't load after you've patched patched. Bad it, which game is, company. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you get do around it. that. Maintain multiple rule sets as part. Have of Have an upgrade the, for the thingy or. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. But no, it's really, really enthralling. Really, just one more turn sort of thing. But yeah, I really need to. It's it's so deep. It's it's a lot deeper than like Master of Orion stuff. But just because of the complexity and the intricacies of the the sort of various systems built into it all, and it takes a bit of getting used to. It. And also, it's not something where you get to play lots and lots of games over and over and over because each game is so vast. So. You don't build the familiarity with the rule set, the say that playing hundreds of games of I don't know, just small games of Master of yeah. Orion or something would do. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm quite tempted with a lot of the DLC actually. Um, I, I I'm wondering if it's too late to wait for a Game of the Year edition now. I don't think they really think in those terms, but but. Uh, again, part of me thinks, well, I just haven't really got the most out of the base game yet because that keeps changing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. really finished one. So yeah, really, yeah, sort of frustrating but really captivating as well. I'm really quite enjoying that, playing a lot of it. So, yeah, over to you. Uh, I'm going to talk about a game called uh, Warhammer 40k Inquisitor Martyr. Oh, this is another 40k game? Another 40k game. Wow, you're on a roll. I've, I've played a couple of these recently because yeah. I'm just playing. This one actually launched into early access this week. Okay. Uh, imagine yes. Diablo 3 mm. uh, running around a 40k world. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. See? Yeah. See? Yeah, that does sound quite interesting. I could go for that. You are a lone inquisitor yeah. uh, who it has uh, taken a rogue trader off uh, on a thing to investigate a thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is a ship called uh, the Martyr. Okay. Which is an old inquisitor ship from a long time ago, which has been lost in the warp. Oh, now it's turned up. And now it's turned up. So you fly over there. And you're going to fly over there, have a look around. No, it's all fine. There is no heresy here. You go over there. Yep. Little bit of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> then the ship disappears it's off always back into chaos. the warp because why not? Okay. And then you end up flying around to different places in the uh, galaxy on a galaxy map, choosing what missions to do. And basically, then you've got some planet missions, some okay. space station missions, some spaceship missions. And you're running around killing stuff as your um, uh, Inquisitor, mm. who mm. is basically one guy in power armor, not a space marine, but an Inquisitor. Uh, either as a close combat guy, as a ranged guy, or a psychic guy. Okay. And um, was it just the one character? Because often the Diablo games, you get to choose from multiple different sorts of classes. And yeah, you got the three classes uh, to start with. But okay. I don't know. You can equip all of the equipment later on, so you can become a close combat guy, mm-hmm. even if you're a ranged guy. All oh, right. Um, I don't know how much this is going to hurt with your initial stats, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, so yeah, basically, some missions. Uh, there's a lot of horde stuff inside you, lots of nerglings, and I find having a big power axe is a lot better than that. Okay, than, yeah. But usually I'm just rocking to... So lots of variety, visiting lots of people, do you get to visit Eldars and, uh, and it's, orcs and it's stuff? It's all Imperial it all just I've seen so far into the game that I've played. Okay. Um, it's all Imperial bases and space stations and planets, and it is all chaos. I'm guessing I, there's some sort of procedurality to the map design, is it? Or are they, they seem like I, the same I, thing every time? I believe time. there is a certain amount of procedurality. Mm-hmm. There's campaign missions. That sounds a lot like Diablo. Yeah, yeah, there's campaign missions and more random missions. Yeah. Um, which I believe are the random new ones. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, and then you've got, of course, you, you're getting more and more gear that you can pick up and equip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has different colours for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The ISO loot colour coding yeah. standard. Yeah. So basically, you're just building up more and more. You'll find a new gun and think, "I want that gun. I will use that gun. That's a good gun." Yeah. Or you've, I think, "Oh, I've got this brilliant new armor, but it's only close combat armor, or it doesn't have the ability to drop the turret. Instead, it's got the ability to uh, do something else." Okay. And, so a bit of, yeah. bit of theory crafting, a yeah. Loot, loot building there. Yeah. I'm trying to keep in your playstyle, uh, and it's quite interesting and it's quite good. It's in early access, which mm. is a bit of a downside. Yeah. But it, it seems. Does it seem like it'll get there? Yeah, it seems like it's in a position where they're they're starting at a good point, which okay. is quite playable and quite fun. And I've sunk a few hours into it now, and I've really enjoyed the experience. Yeah, so I want to keep an eye out for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
On the other hand, I also played uh, Warhammer 40k Adeptus Titanicus, which is another early access game about titans fighting. And it is absolute tosh. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Basically, think MechWarrior. Yeah. But nowhere near as good as the recent MechWarrior game. And also. Oh, is it turn based like MechWarrior? Yeah. Okay. Uh, And and at the moment, it's only in small maps where you're basically fighting over objectives and there's no close combat because I haven't put it in yet. Sometimes a a 40k license doesn't really help. No. It launched far too early. Yeah. Basically. Well, early access, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. So, playing Crystal, don't play Adeptus Mechanicus. Play the board game version of Adeptus Mechanicus when it releases later in this year. Cool. Um, yeah, well, so various, uh, it's all a bit staggered and shattered with the, the static group stuff over the last month or so. I mean, things are going to calm down for me in June because I've got nothing on. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> I've not really booked anything for June or July. Um, yeah, so hopefully we're getting back into the swing of the static group stuff. But um, so no updates on Secret World Legends. Um, Factorio on the Tuesdays, yeah. that's still going well. We, the, 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 it's just getting well out of hand now. We, this last, that's this, the description of every game of Factorio. This, this last, well, the problem with Factorio is that... So the basic... The, I suppose what exists as the, the game, the point, the, the objective, is to finish the tech trees, to launch a rocket into space, yeah. satellite, whatever. And to work your way out of that tech tree, you need more and more science packs, which are the little different coloured bottles. And each of those different coloured bottles needs different combinations of sub, you know, different sub-combined yeah. materials. And anyway, that gets more and more elaborate, but also the quantity of bottles increases greatly as well. It's a game about scaling. It, it absolutely is a game about scaling. And also, all the time you're... So yes, yeah, so you could look at a bottle of white science, for example. You could look at a, a piece of technology on the tech tree and it has a number of bottles of each colour and you can basically break that down into numbers of units of ore and copper and oil that needed to make those things. And time. Yeah, and time. So, um... And those those numbers get vaster and vaster. And eventually, you're dealing with entire mineral beds of iron ore just to put together one piece of technology. Yeah. And so you you you're building the vast factory that plums it all through and produces it, yeah. turns the bottles out, feeds them into the labs, and that's all great. But then that all has an input of iron ore at the far end, and those and that. You're, as you're sort of you're, you're, you're tick, ticking along, thinking, "Yeah, this is going well," and you think, "Oh, hang on, that that, that iron ore bed's run out now because yeah. they are <laughs> finite resources." So you have to keep looking further and further away from the start point to find more which and more. Slows minerals, down, which slows you down because your your factory's there, the and you need to get all the stuff over there. So you got to have trains. You got to start in. using trains because the distances become really large. Yeah, and the cargo trains, and then you find that well, what we found is that the it's actually more efficient to build miniature factories on site on the minerals to turn them into whatever, and then yeah. and then ferry those those secondary or tertiary materials back to the main base on the trains so you need quite a complicated train network with various different offloading terminals lead feeding into different belts we have this massive bus system of, of just like about about 30 or 40 conveyor belts all moving along in yeah. parallel each with different materials on and then you sort of split bits off to go to different factory sections and it's just getting really out of hand and now now we've decided that we're going nuclear so okay. um, yeah we found some uranium and i think the plan now is to build a whole bunch of nuclear power plants um, That's not going to be a bad thing. Probably just because, you know, nuclear, yeah. Um, and so to do that, we've ended up sort of walling off an enormous section of landscape and tried to clear out the inside of the perimeter yeah. with, with tank runs and stuff. Votes for Cake is, is an expert tank driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've, I've been on the gun turret. I'm not an expert gunner. No. So, um, yes. Far from it. <laughs> That's led to a bit of chaos and mayhem for a couple of hours last last Tuesday. But we've now cleared out this enormous paddock of, that we're going to turn over to a vast amount of nuclear reprocessing and all sorts of crazy stuff. I don't even know how close we are to doing the big job. We're on to the stuff that needs six different bottles now, including the white one, and I think we're probably going to need to send stuff into space because I think the white science only comes from satellite observations or something okay yeah it's it's, uh, it's and to, to finish the entire tech tree we're gonna have to do all that stuff as well it's, it's just i i really am starting to lose it to be honest i'll i'll, <laughs> I'll log in on a tuesday take a look at the map and go ah. <laughs> i need to make a change and i, I can't know. hold it all in my head i have this iron plate i want to turn it into a battery could someone help <laughs> yeah it's it's just i mean i'm glad candle's got a sort of overall plan in his head because um yeah i've no idea what's going on i have to sort of manually follow belts back through factories yeah. and work out what's going where it is almost impossible in that game to build stuff far enough apart. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's, it's space is the problem because yeah, you're essentially building a massive printed circuit board yeah. in a way. Um, yeah, so it's, it's going well and we're doing well. We've got artillery now, that's brilliant. Ooh. Yeah, so you've got your little gun turrets that defend your walls and stuff and laser turrets and flamethrower turrets. Artillery can shoot like... 
hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of blocks away if you and use a desert allure to actually point pinpoint okay. the shells are quite manufacturing intensive as well so you need ah. a whole different set of factories producing <laughs> those and delivering them to the to the cluster of artillery points and you can put the artillery on a train track on a train oh, car right, as that's well the best idea. well that's good because you can move the train around your yeah. around your base to where it's needed and then that extends its range even further and there's loads more range extensions we can research and trouble is the biters get more powerful as well ah. so you start off and there's a few don't like a don't like the pollution coming get immediately killed by your grade one gun turret or even your pistol you start with but they change color as they go up now we're onto i think those sort of start with red ones and then there's some blue ones i think we're onto green ones now which are physically robust enough to stop a tank running it over ah. they actually like scenery when you hit them uh and take a number a, a quite a lot of killing with the right kinds of gear so yeah they're adapting they're getting bigger it's like a, a sort of half-assed game of starcraft going on at the same time as yeah. all this minecraft you know mods conveyor belt nonsense so it's all quite it's quite exciting in a way but also quite exhausting trying to figure out what's going on trying to follow it all and uh, sort of keep adding useful things to the base and there's a, but there's no end of, of, of make busy jobs to do on these bases because all these belts and, and splitters and, and little grabby arms they've got to come in various different grades of efficiency so you've got to go around upgrading those which I like doing um, ensuring the belts you swap the yellow belts for the red ones and they go faster hmm. Which just helps consume everything quicker, yeah. which means you need faster input of raw materials. Yeah, yeah it's, oh, it's just it, everything you do means that something else now needs doing in that game. And it's Have you considered not doing anything? Well, if, uh, yeah, no, it's it's, 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 it's it's good to be busy. It's good to be helping. <laughs> I like to help, uh, and there's lots of opportunities for that. So I have no idea on a kind of time frame for us to finish the science, but uh, we're going to have to. It's, it, it starts to ramp up orders of magnitude larger. You end up with, but you end up with like blueprints, so you. You can use a tool to drag select a bunch of stuff you've built and that then comes off as a blueprint yeah which you can keep in a book and with a load of other blueprints and then you can you you, you can go somewhere else on the map and just bump stamp that blueprint on the scenery and it creates sort of transparent versions of everything oh, that's nice. then your your helpful friendly flying robots will yeah. try and if it's in range of their robo port areas they will go off to stores and try and place those things on the ground that's cool yeah so um you start to automate the, the business of actually placing which means you then need to start devising modular sub factory sets so like uh this this sort of you know 20 by 20 area has one belt coming in and one belt coming in yeah. and it will just turn stuff into other stuff and you go domp 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 multiply those out and make sure it's all fed in and then out comes the stuff you need okay. so you start dealing on a whole new level essentially instead of just placing individual conveyor belts and factories like you do at the start yeah. you're placing entire districts down and wiring them together and it just, yeah, it's just bonkers. It really gets out of hand. So we've got hundreds of robots swarming around the place to, <laughs> with, you know, carrying their little bits and pieces. And it doesn't help when, when certain members of the team decide to pave the entire world. They place they place uh, build orders for, for like, uh, paving and concrete slabs everywhere. And the robots all go, oh, I'll do that. And then they go mad and you yeah. can't get any robot help for, like, 25 minutes as they try and drop bricks everywhere. Yeah, that's not a problem at all. It's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. So yeah, that's Factorio. Still doing doing well there. Um, Wednesday, nothing. Thursday, Thursday's a sort of Warframe now. I'm still dabbling with Warframe. Um, coming along well, well with there. They've got the Cora update, uh, the, the, which is a kind of horde mode simulation thing you can okay. do, sanctuary thing. Um, I don't know where I'm going next with that. I got Octavia in the end. It was really disappointing and not terribly useful, ah. like I thought it might be. Yeah, it always is. Isn't it? <laughs> it's very clever, but totally impractical. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're still sort of ticking along on there. I'd just like to issue uh, some personal congratulations to Blacklight for finishing his Mastery Rank 8 test. He's been doing that for attempting that for quite a while, and he got there in the end. Apparently, controller controller was the key. It was, okay. a, it was a jumpy puzzle that he wasn't very good at, but he, once he tried it with a controller, he nailed it on the second go. So mouse and keyboard, not always the right way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Fridays is Pathfinder. That's all going well, but I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, and then Lotro on the Saturdays. Oh, Lotro. Yeah, we finished Mercwood. Bizarre. Sort of. Uh, one one stage of the epilogue we couldn't do because it was a six-man dungeon. Oh. And there's only three of us. We did try. We tried to underman it, but we hit the first boss and it, it, it basically got to a rage timer <laughs> and killed us because we don't DPS hard enough. So we're going to come back in about 40 levels and curb stomp the bugger. Yeah. Um, so we're moving on to the even dim Isengard, um, not uh, Enidrath Isengard stuff, the Grey Company. We're, we're now on a very long make busy set of quests where we have to go to every ranger in the old world and say, hello, you're needed down south by Aragorn. Uh, and each of them has a, has a fetch quest they want us to do before they can go. Bad so, game developers. 
<laughs> yeah, and then, but, but quite soon we might be going to somewhere new, Enadrath, which will be nice. Uh, it's not new to me, I've seen that one before, but level 70 now, we're going to hit the uh, Isengard expansion already, five levels over, <laughs> over, the, <laughs> over the starting recommended level for that, so that's good. Because we just scoured everything in Mirkwood. I'm so glad to be out of Mirkwood. It was just grey, 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 fog, tree, spider, grey. And, and it's just yeah, just nice to... I don't mind the... Uh, now go to every zone in the old world and visit every ranger NPC you've ever talked to. Because at least we can see some grass and trees now that are, that are green and with a blue sky. So that's nice. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know how long, how long we've been going at that. But we're making, Forever. we've been making some decent time i think that's only a couple of months right? yeah only a couple of months and we're already through mirkwood moria and the original launch content so onto isengard then rohan and then gondor and then helm's deep and then gondor and then mordor and then lake town and stuff they're still adding stuff that's the problem they're laying laying new content down yeah. at about the same kind of rate i'm consuming it at the moment so wow that we need to catch up unlikely <laughs> Uh, yes, that's all still going. And then Neverwinter Nights on the Sunday's kind of falling apart at the moment. I think we might try and get it going again tonight. But, uh, yeah, just so many absences and people not around. So uh, I don't really have much to say yeah. about that. So that's, um, yeah, that's the uh, static groups. Over to you. I'm going to talk about a game called uh, Quarantine Circular. Okay. Is that like Subspace Circular? Subcircular. 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 Whatever. Yes, it's uh, by uh, Bithel Games. Mm -hmm. It's another Bithel short. Yeah. So it's a cheapish game, which took me an hour and a half to play it. Okay. This time, it is all set on a boat. Two locations. um, One standing out on a helipad. Yeah. And the other in a conference room. Okay. And what has happened is... A plague has hit the earth and everyone is dying and all of the nations have put together all of their navies together to make a fleet to try and deal with it. And then an alien is found in one of the uh, cities. Oh, right. And it starts off, you're the tech, setting up the auto-translation for the alien. And then it goes on talking to the alien and uh, seeing where it goes. Why is he there? What's uh, going on? And all of that. Mm-hmm. And again, it's all down to conversations. Yes. So it's yeah. all just basically a text chat window. Yeah. With um, a couple of things about it. And it's another perfect example of let's make a game with hardly anything. Everyone wears a helmet so you don't see the face. So they don't need to be animated apart from the alien. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah very few locations. Only a couple of people involved. Um, it's a brilliant example of how to do more or less. Mm. And it all, all hinges off. It sounds off, very tight, yeah. It all hinges off the story. And I won't say too much about what the story is because, you know, that's all there is to the game. Yeah. All I will say is the ending was a little bit disappointing. <laughs> oh, well. But it's good. It's interesting. It was an hour and a half for a couple of quid, and it's hard to argue with that. It, it was an ex- interesting little experience. It sounds like it probably reuses quite a lot of the tech from the previous... Yeah, it's the same engine, yeah, but um, yeah, instead of robots, it's uh, people in environment suits. It sounds like an interesting concept, yeah. Yeah, like I say, a small, self-contained, well, you know, clever thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so basically you, you're... Oh, you switch between the different characters as you play. So you start off as the tech guy, mm-hmm. and then you play the alien for a bit, then you play a PhD student and an entomologist and a security guard and a admiral. And that's all the characters in the game. Okay. And so basically you end up having to find out what's going on and what to do next. And I don't know how well it branches as to what happens next. I suspect there's a couple of endings I need to see. Yeah. Um, some good, some bad. But um, uh, for most of it, while there's choices about what you can say, and it has the same system that uh, Subsurface had, which is we, you'll be chatting about something and then a keyword will come up and that'll just be highlighted up the next time you can ask questions. And you can start dropping them into the conversation okay which is an interesting way of just having exploring through the conversations happen uh you can end up in these odd loops where stuff's being repeated which in the first game it didn't seem quite as weird because you were all robots so it just felt like maybe the robot was just being a bit repeaty yes yeah. uh this with people it feels like there's a, a, bit, a bit more uncanny valley to it yeah there's a couple of puzzles mm. uh uh some about uh, they call them kangaroo words and one about rhyming uh, which seemed weird and a little bit out of place and uh, if you start getting those wrong or when you're trying to convince someone to do something yeah. you start getting those wrong and they're not obvious what you're meant to do it loops the dialogue and you think oh hang on th- this has suddenly just hit that cracks of appearing in the uh, facade of it yeah so it'd yeah. be nice if they hadn't 
done those maybe they don't quite Something work to refine for future games yeah. I presume they'll be similar more similar kind of shorts well they, they announced this five minutes before it came out so um, <laughs> oh here's a game I've made oh yeah. okay I quite like that idea to yeah. be honest instead of this like early access hell yeah, we if, live if in these days yeah early access and all this hype and there's a game yeah. coming out there's a new Fallout coming out what's it about we don't know but there's oh, a new Fallout God. I hope it's going to be exactly what I want and it's not cause, no one know, is going to get what they want no it, it's gonna, it looks like it's a survival it's, multiplayer yeah, game it's, a, it's, a, it's basically Build your little fort and defend it yeah, type thing like it. with pit boys, I guess. Whereas uh, some people want Fallout Five. It's not going to be that. No, Fallout Seventy Six. I immediately thought it was going to be some Interstate Seventy Six thing. Yes, so my, that was my first. A kind of well. Fallout Mad Max vehicle based type. Yeah, we good adventure. Yeah, but no, game. it's not going to be that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah. So uh, it's interesting way to release a game. It seems to do well to them. Um, also, they've increasingly. Uh, mentioned that they're very happy that people aren't just refunding the game because you can complete it in the amount of time to get a refund. <laughs> that's so mean, isn't it? That's, that's that's really sort of telling about the age we live in. That, oh, I can, if I can yeah. complete this in under two hours, I can refund it. Yeah, I'm the winner. Oh, yes, you're the <laughs> yeah, winner. You've, that's right. Yeah, they've yeah. had a dramatically low refund rate. That's good. And, that's good, yeah. yeah. You know, God, if you've, if you've played it and found nothing wrong with it, even though it's less than two hours, yeah. then by God, for God's sake, let them keep the money. Yeah. <laughs> if you've enjoyed it at all, yeah. for a couple of quid, Honestly, don't worry. That's just crazy. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. It's cool. fun. It's uh, interesting. Um, it had a problem that I found a couple of games have had recently, which is it notices my Hotas stick and oh, right. uses the throttle as one of the axes. <laughs> That's a conversational so it, it was always scrolling the window up. Oh, dear. Um, Whoops. Yeah, and so I had to go for all of the stuff. That sounds like a test piece. case that no one thought of. Yeah. yeah. What so, happens if they've got yeah, a, yeah, a blinking driving controller in there or whatever? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what happened if I also had the uh, steering wheel attached. <laughs> but it's just a couple of uh, Unity games recently I've had have done that. So I think there must be an easy easy mistake to make, but not all games do it. So, mm. yeah, we'll see. Hmm. I think there might be a shortcut people take. Just looping through. I just don't the think, inputs. yeah, and it yeah. must by default turn it all on if it's. Remember, folks, there's a reason why games say press start at the start. Yes, it's to determine what controller you're using. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm playing a few other bits and pieces. I've got Star Crawlers playing that again. Oh yeah, I got stuck on that not because of anything about the game. It's more of a QA issue. There was a particular story mission at the end of which it played a little bit of a exposition-y cutscene, and then immediately crashed desktop with a C sharp runtime, a C sharp runtime oh, okay. type thing uh, every single time. And I thought, well, that's the end of that then, isn't yeah. it? And so I went away. But then it came it came down with a massive patch, and the patch apparently they'd got a new version of Unity. Yeah, and we built it all. So, and that seems to have done it. It might have been a sixty-four bit upgrade of some sort. I don't know, but whatever. So I thought I will try that again, and yeah, straight through. And now I'm carrying on. I really enjoy Star Crawlers. It's a simple, fun little thing. It's you know, a bunch of little dungeon maps. It's sort of a bit like Legends of Grimrock, sort of isometric yeah. step between the squares and look around. Then turn-based combat when you encounter things, and that's quite satisfying. Got some quirky characters and interesting powers and stuff, and a fun little backstory to it all. Um, yeah, and very replayable as well. I mean, there's a main story that you can. St- you know, determinedly push at and have quite difficult dungeons for. But um, there's also a whole bunch of just random stuff you can do working for a number of different in-game factions, which is great for a little sort of half-hour play or 15-minute play. So I've been playing a fair bit of that. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, Ultima 9, I'm still playing, but I, I did. it's become a stubborn thing now. It's yeah. become a, I'm Are gonna, you getting a tad bogged down? Uh, yes, I'm going to bloody complete this. I know what I'm doing. I know what to do. I know how to complete it. I played it, finished it before, sort of. But... Problem is, is it's just crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In terms of QA and stuff, it crashes a lot. Yeah, it crashes desktop and has no yeah. autosave. It has the re- most ridiculously quirky interface for that kind of thing. Basically, there's no escape menu. You press J to open your journal, and an actual book appears. And then you have to flick through the pages to find the load save screen pages. It's like, oh god. And then there's just and to quit, you have to actually find a page in this journal as well. There's no actual push escape game yeah. menu you because they that wouldn't be very realistic no. you know um yeah and it doesn't have any kind of auto saving feature so i'll put you know two or three hours leg working for a whole bunch of quests and then it'll just go on yeah to desktop oh i'm not doing that again i'm gonna go away and play something i enjoy this um, was a common problem with the game back at release yeah well this is it it's not even you know like necessarily a problem with the whatever gog have done to get no. it running this is no, just, it, was just it was just really buggy <laughs> back at the day back in the day yeah so it's become a right i'm going to finish this damn thing uh, and I'm probably not enjoying it much, um, but that's the sort of thing I do to myself, really. So there we go. 
Um, and that's about it. Really. I've got about thirty-five desktop icons of games that I've stopped halfway through that I need to try and finish, and that kind of thing. Oh, only thirty. Irritates me. It winds me up. Yeah, Metro twenty thirty-three. Remember we oh, talked yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah I just that. stopped. Um, <laughs> There's various Skyrims and, and Fallouts and things on that desktop, and they're never going away. There's, uh, oh, it's just, <laughs> I just don't have the time. I'm feeling really worn out and oversubscribed at the moment, but, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff happens. But um, anyway, that's, that's me. How are you? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm probably out I'm, of stuff to talk about. Okay. Uh, do you, no, you don't do spiel. Well, tell me what you learned this week. I learned to don't care if your TV stops playing out TV shows. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite liberating. I've liberating, learned yeah. that surprise Elvis night is the worst Elvis night. Oh, you went to surprise Elvis night. I went to. Well, I, I saw not mention on, of surprise. Not Elvis on night. purpose. No. No. I went to a, a, a calm, relaxing Indian meal with my, yeah. my father and my sister, uh, where we might. I thought we might, you know, sit down, catch up, get, you know, have a bit of a pleasant, quiet evening, and uh, Viva Las Vegas. Oh, for God's sake! I noticed yeah. a rather enthusiastic review of the evening. Oh, it was Facebook. awful. It was terrible. Um. Yeah. It was so loud as well. I mean, am I? getting old i don't know yeah, i'm are. getting old. You're old but also this was of, of, of i couldn't hear straight when i came out at the end of the evening yeah. he had all the big you know speakers on sticks down one end of this indian restaurant and then it just came out and it was like a three-hour set and it turned out <laughs> afterwards when the bill came that it was a ticketed event that i didn't realize uh, yeah it made me quite cross uh, yeah he was all right he didn't look anything like elvis you know they it, well i mean he had a faint resemblance to um you know burger king yeah. vegas elvis but um he sounded okay, but uh, to be honest, he did a better job of the occasional Queen and Neil Diamond number he threw <laughs> in for variety. But yeah, could have done without all that really. But you know, I was just grinning and very. I was being very British about it. Um, 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 waiter, there's an Elvis Presley impersonator in my soup. Uh, no, it's just, yeah, you couldn't really. Uh, excuse me, there's something. Does anyone else notice something wrong? No, no, everyone else was in all up yeah. for it, so it was probably me. Definitely, I hate Elvis. Yeah, he hated you too. For one of the reasons he died. <laughs> Do your spiel. You can go on to howtomurdertime.com where you can see all our previous shows and um, also go on to YouTube where you can try subscribing, but odds are they're not going to give you any updates about it anyway. Don't bother hitting the bell because that doesn't do anything anymore. Don't bother <laughs> liking because that hasn't done anything for a while. It's just the Wild West out there. Uh, yeah, just 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 watch it or don't and enjoy yeah, it or don't. Yeah. Um, YouTube don't want you watching YouTube. That's the main whatever. thing. Can they still get it as a, like a Libsyn MP3 type thing yes, from you can still the old-fashioned places? You can still get the MP3 as a proper podcast on the website. Visual. And also, if you go to the website, they also post every single video of it too. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so go to the website. Go to the YouTube. website, yeah. You can't trust YouTube. No. no. So, and with that, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>